0: Please stand by, we're about to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Good day and welcome to the BMC PPM 9.5 Architecture and Scalability Webinar. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Cedric Rawls. Please go ahead. All right, thank you, operator. Uh, hello, uh, good morning, good evening, uh, good day, wherever you are. Thank you all for joining the call. I wanted to let you guys know this is the first in our series of the BPPM 9.5 version webinars. Uh, We do have a series that we're about to start. Um, As a reminder, we have posted the uh, intended series dates on the BMC community site, and if you have not gone there and seen that, you can go there and uh, also use that to register for the uh, subsequent sessions. At this time I'll turn it over to Hudson Meeks who will be our presenter today and uh, please pay attention. I want to remind everyone that we are doing Q&A in the Q&A window in the, uh, the WebEx session and therefore we will be able to respond to those questions there. If you post them in chat we will not be able to respond to those appropriately. So, just want to give you that reminder. Hudson, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Thank you very much Cedric and all attendees thank you for attending this webinar, if you're actually attending it now, great, and if you're, um, you know, replaying it and watching it, we very much appreciate you coming in and and gathering this information. This specific webinar is based, focused uh, mainly on architecture and scalability for BBPM 9.5. We've got some rather significant changes in the product in those two areas that we really hope you're going to like and get a lot of value out of. Um, The upcoming webinars that Cedric has mentioned involve upgrade and and migration. That's actually the next one in the series. We'll be delivering that in March. And uh, then we've got another one on configuration and a fourth one planned for how to deal with custom KMs and getting them um, imported and functional within a BBPM 9.5 environment. And, of course, we'll be adding additional ones later on. Those are just the the three after this one that are currently planned. Um, As usual, this webinar is really intended kind of as a first-level training covering basic deployment-type knowledge. Um, It's a best practice versus how-to, so there's not a lot of detail in this uh, PowerPoint and in the session we're delivering right now that talks about exactly how to configure the product and how to actually set up what we talk about in the best practices at a very detailed level. Now, that said, there's a document that we've created. It's about 50 pages long that complements this webinar and has additional information in it that gives you a little bit more detailed information. Um, and we will continue to provide that type of documentation along with these sessions um, with the, the upcoming webinars. In the past, we didn't provide those kinds of documents, and this is kind of a change that we're you know, making going forward for these webinar sessions. This covers core BPPM components meaning we're not going to get into a lot of discussion about um, end-user experience management and other components that are are part of the BPPM solution stack. Um, Triage and remediation would be another topic there, so we're not not going to be talking about AO and things like that. It's focused mainly on the core components. Um, It doesn't address every single scenario. We can't possibly address every scenario in 90 minutes. Um, you know, different customers have different needs in their specific environments, and the tool is obviously flexible enough to support many, many different situations. Um, prior knowledge of BPPM components and terms is certainly um, um, a, a benefit. So if you already know something about the product, and this is, that would be very helpful here. However, you don't really have to know uh, the product well or have previous experience for, with it in order to get value out of this session. Um, our agenda today is to go over the basic architecture and then dive into a little bit more detail about architecture regarding the BBPM server, the databases for the BBPM server, the integration services. Um, also, we'll be talking about the central management and administration and architecture options and best practices there. Um, there's a new component that's been provided with BBPM 9.5 called a staging integration service. It's really just a specific configuration of an integration service, and we'll be talking about what that is and why we think you should be using it and how it may benefit you. Um, And then, of course, there's updates to scalability in the product. Uh, We've quite significantly increased the scalability of a single BVPM server, um, which we hope you're going to like a lot. And there's some changes to high availability as well, especially in the area of integration services. So we'll be going over integration um, service availability as well as the other components that haven't changed a lot like the BBPM server and its high availability. The content in this webinar session includes content that was previously delivered in um, sessions for other versions, the previous versions of the product. The intent in including that content is so that you can come here, and watch this session, read the documentation that goes along with it, and not have to go back and review all the other sessions to be up to speed with BPPM 9.5. Okay, so some terminology to be aware of. Um, When we talk about a device and the product, we're talking about basically a monitored instance of, of an object that's, you know, being monitored. So typically that would be an operating system, a server in other words. It could be a database. It could be an application, it could be some middleware, but generally a device is a server that's being monitored with all on that server, um, you know, that you may be monitoring. Um, A parameter is a monitored metric, such as CPU utilization, total CPU utilization versus um, CPU 1, 2, 3, or 4, whatever may be on a box, are examples of different instances, Um, A parameter can be availability or for performance data. Um, And and it's also synonymous with an attribute. So in the product, if you see the term attribute, we're also talking about a parameter. It's really the same thing. Um, In some of our documentation, when people speak of of, um, monitoring and so forth, they may also refer to a parameter using the term metric. So that's just to clear up any confusion there on those terms. An integration service host is a dedicated server that acts more or less like a gateway for data and event collection and consolidation and that will become more clear if you don't already know what that is as we get into this. Uh, It supports multiple processes so there's an integration service process and we're getting away from the term proactive net agent and P proxy and things like that if you're familiar with the older technology the previous versions there's basically now just a single integration service process that accomplishes the the capabilities um, supported by those previous terms that I just mentioned. So we're trying to get away from those previous terms and just focus on integration service um, as being a single process there. There's also the event management cell that we install on the integration service host, and with that cell there are event adapters. Staging integration services are a new term in BPPM 9.5, and the – uh, the purpose of the staging integration service, we'll get more into, into more detail about this in, in, in some upcoming slides, but the general purpose is, is that they're used to introduce patrol agents into the BBPM solution stack during a, a deployment process of those agents. Okay, um, And it basically applies to the integration. It, it basically takes an integration service policy, which we'll talk about as well, and applies those, that policy to the agent. Um, and or agents that are connecting into the staging integration service. Again, we'll we'll go through more detail on those in upcoming slides. CMA stands for Central Management and Administration Module. Um, The CMA module was first introduced with 9.5. It's been significantly enhanced and improved with BPPM 9.5. And it, it houses what are called policies as well as a repository of um, install packages and so forth. Um, the the par- purpose the primary purpose of policies in CMA is to manage policies around monitoring. So we can create a monitoring policy and multiple monitoring policies um, that get deployed to the agents when the agents check in. So the general process is that the agents will check in first through a staging integration service. The staging integration service will apply an integration service policy to the agent, telling the agent where it's supposed to to connect into uh, the rest of the environment, um, meaning a, a data collection integration service. And then from that point forward, the agent will receive its monitoring policies and go about its way of monitoring and so forth. Okay, so the basic architecture at a very high level looks relatively similar to what we've provided in previous um, versions. Um, Some key things to note though here are this box right here, we're we're recommending that customers install what we call a correlation cell, event management cell for correlation that is, between the integration service nodes that also have the lower tier cells on them and the BPPM server or servers that sit up top. And the purpose of this cell is to process events from multiple sources, multiple integration service nodes and their cells, consume those events, and to be able to correlate those events across different types of technology and also to handle a higher level of event enrichment and rewarding and those kinds of things at this central point in the environment. Now, this slide doesn't show high availability. We will be talking about high availability later on. But, you know, this this component would also be set up for high availability. Another key thing to note, if you haven't already listened to the What's New uh, session or attended that What's New session, the data and the events being collected from patrol agents now stream to a single port on the BBPM server, uh, excuse me, uh, on the um, integration service nodes here. So there's a single port that the data and um, events both stream to on the integration service node. So the integration service process itself is listening on that single port. The port numbers and so forth are in the document that I referenced earlier. So when you're interested in looking at those port numbers, you can just pull up that document and view them there. Um, And then from that point forward, the integration service process will forward the trended performance data represented by the blue lines here, up through the infrastructure to the BPPM server. Events are forwarded to this correlation cell. They're actually first forwarded to a cell that's running on the integration service host for low-level event filtering and enrichment and those kinds of things, and then they're propagated up to the central point where we do the correlation that I described. Another thing that you should notice here is that the number of processes that need to be installed and managed on the integration service nodes is significantly reduced. So there's really primarily just two processes that get installed there. And when you install the integration service node, you have the option of installing these two components. Um, There's the integration service process that I've talked about, and then there's the event management cell. Now, technically we also land the event adapters, but configuring them and and setting up their process and so forth is optional. Typically, you would not set them up for for patrol event consumption. You would set them up to consume events from, say, SNMP traps or other third-party external sources, okay? You also can optionally install an RT server to support a patrol central environment. That would be a fairly rare necessity um, with BBPM 9.5, um, you know, it, it's, we're still maintaining that, that technology and supporting it, but for most customers going forward with 9.5, they really won't need a patrol central environment, and we'll talk more about that um, again in, in some slides coming up here. Um, okay, so another thing to, to think about, you know, why, why do we not have to have the RT server here? The primary reason is with BPPM 9.5, and we talked about this in the What's New uh, session delivered earlier. Up in the BBPM 9.5 application server, you have the ability to view trended data that is actually stored on the agents without having to forward that data up. Okay? So the integration service processes now can act in a very similar fashion to the way an RT server actually operates. And that, that's not a, a deep technical level, that's at a very high level, kind of from a just a you know a functional level. Um, and it allows you to actually visualize trended data through the BBPM console where that data is only stored down on the patrol agents in the history files of the agents without having to propagate the data all the way up to the BBPM server. So one of the best practices that's key to this with 9.5 is to really think about what, what metrics need to be propagated to the BBPM server and stored in the BBPM server database for baselines, predictive alarming, and all the things that we can do within the BPPM server um, from that perspective that a patrol agent and just basic trending doesn't provide, okay? Um, You you actually, at the end of the day, we're able to reduce the number of parameters that need to be trended up here significantly, and at the same time, as you'll see when we talk about scalability, we've greatly enhanced the scalability of the server itself irrespective of of, um, this capability as well. Okay, so, moving on, getting a little bit more detail here, um, we need to think about the the different components, the different processes, and whether or not they require a dedicated server or not. Obviously, the BPM application server should be on a dedicated node. Uh, The BPM database, um, if it's Sybase, it's going to be installed with the application server. You basically don't have a choice there. Oracle would be on a separate host. And that host typically should be dedicated to Oracle. It could have multiple Oracle databases on it, as we commonly see in many environments. We'll talk more about what that you know the details of Oracle here coming up on some slides as well. Um, The correlation cells, generally we recommend that they be on a dedicated server um, or servers in a high availability type scenario. Um, And so the staging integration service that I've talked about, that could be installed on a node where other processes are also running on that node. So technically you could install it on the same node where you've got another integration service running, or you could install it on other, some other you know, node in the environment that has other processes running on it that are part of the, part of the stack. Um, the integration service hosts that process the performance data and the events from the patrol agents Um, They should be a dedicated host. You shouldn't have third-party processes running on it and so forth. You should definitely have an integration service process. The event management cell and the event adapters should all be installed on each integration service host in almost every scenario. Even if you're not consuming events for some reason, you know, on, on a um, integration service host or the reverse, if you're not actually, you know, trending patrol data there, we still recommend that you install these processes there and you can just disable them. The reason for that is that you may need to enable them later on in your environment, and if you've already got it deployed and installed out there, it's much easier just to turn them on than it is to go back and install these components, okay. The impact integration web services should also be installed on an integration service host, although it could be installed on a separate server. I haven't designated this guy as as one of the standard components that would typically be installed on the integration service host uh, because not all environments leverage it. Um, So it's just not one that, that really needs to be bundled as a, quote, standard install. But if you choose to make it part of your standard, that's perfectly okay. Patrol agents that do remote monitoring should be dedicated on dedicated nodes. Examples of that would be virtual server monitoring through vCenter or doing um, remote uh, operating system monitoring for Windows or Unix and whatnot, okay? The impact, um, the integration for BMC uh, Remedy Service Desk or IBRSD, that can be installed on a node that shares other processes. It's going to be installed by default with the BBPM application server and you can actually spin up additional instances on the BBPM application server if you need to or choose to for um, high availability purposes or a form of of not, it's not automated load balancing, but a manual load balancing type strategy. Okay. Um, And then there's extended components, I won't go through each one of these. But basically, you've got the ability to install event cells out on other nodes as needed. So as an example, if you're receiving a lot of events as as SNMP traps from some source, you could install that cell at some point in your environment that makes sense for you um, and consume that large number of of SNMP traps as events and, and process them accordingly and then forward them up, the processed events and so forth, up to the correlation cell that I talked about. And again, I won't read through all these all these um, you know different components here. This you can refer to later. But basically, these different ones here at the top um, can be installed in, uh, perfectly well and run run just fine on hosts that are not dedicated. The other ones we recommend being installed on dedicated nodes. Okay. Now, what about the consoles? The BPM application server web console. Quite obviously, that's um, installed with the BBPM application server. It can't be installed on a separate node. It's an Apache instance and there's also the the application server itself, the process there is actually a JBoss implementation. Those components cannot be separated from the application server. They're all installed on the application server and that should be a dedicated node for all of those processes. Um, The BBPM administration Java console, this is a thick Java client Okay, that can be installed on a distributed um, host. Typically, that would be installed on like an administrator's work desk or something like that. Okay, the optional components deploy only when necessary. Okay, patrol configuration manager could be installed on um, a separate node. Typically, that would be like an admin node. Um, The classic console for development purposes would be installed in a development environment for developing KMs and things like that um, on, a, on an admin node. Um, but for patrol operations, the Windows central console is installed on users' desktops. Okay? If you choose to stand up or have already stood up the central web console, that should usually be installed on a dedicated node. Okay? The older Impact Explorer, if you're still using that for some reason, that could be installed on an admin node as well. So these optional components, um, they wouldn't be installed in most environments except for very likely the patrol classic console may be for development purposes. There's a few other purposes for it and we're going to talk about those, okay. so when do we use the patrol consoles? They're, they're not nearly as as necessary with BPPM 9.5 as they've been in the past. So when would I actually use them? Well, well, quite obviously, if you're upgrading in an environment um, to 9.5 that already has patrol consoles in it, it makes sense to keep the patrol consoles in place for some period of time. You don't want to rip the rug out from under people who are, you know, used to the process and so forth in patrol central. You need to phase them into using BPPM 9.5 before you, you know, eliminate that environment. We'll talk more about that kind of thing during the upgraded migration session. Okay. There's also specific functionality in the patrol consoles that might be necessary in some environments. We don't see this used very often, uh, but these are things that you definitely need to think about when you're doing um, a, a moving to 9.5 and deciding whether or not you need to maintain the patrol consoles or not. Um, there are specific menu commands in the patrol console that will generate "quote unquote" reports. You basically run the menu command; it goes out and gathers some data. Um, and, and this is a, a you have to evaluate this on a one by one. Um, you know, approach. Do you really need this report or not? Are people actually using it or not? Is it functionality that's just not used? If it's not, then you don't really need to insta- need to stand up a patrol central environment or maintain it going forward if, if these kinds of uh, capabilities are not being used. There's also menu commands in some of the KMs that will initiate administrative actions. My favorite one to, as an example is, is we've got the Siebel KM, and it can stop and start the, the Siebel gateway, um, through a menu command, which is not a real simple process from a Siebel perspective. There, it, there are certain processes that have to be stopped and started in the right order and, and things that are done by the KM that are automated by this action. So if you're leveraging that kind of capability, which, which we don't see very often, but if you are leveraging that type of capability, uh, be aware that it, that it's carried forward in the patrol consoles and is not um, available in the BPM um, GUI at at this time and date, Um, and again, we don't see these kinds of things used in in, in a lot of environments. Um, Detailed analysis of certain events and processing within a KM and an agent Um, makes sense to have a a patrol console in some scenarios to evaluate that. We would recommend that you do that in a development environment. I I believe going forward it's going to be pretty common for customers to install the classic console in a development environment for the administrators of the solution to analyze and understand agents and KMs thoroughly, um, but they won't necessarily need that in a production environment, and they definitely should not be using the old classic console in a production environment. There are some KMs that are not fully manageable it doesn't mean they can't be used but they're not fully manageable in BPM 9.5 CMA yet this list is, is um, you know actually being eliminated the number of them is, is very small there's an extensive list of KMs that are supported and that list is is referenced on the product documentation there's a link to it in the best practice document that I referenced earlier so I didn't display that, that link here. I'm encouraging you to go read the documentation after um, you, re, you re, uh, review this session, starting with the best practice doc that I've talked about. Okay, um, Detailed analysis of patrol agents and KMs that I've already talked about. We recommend that you conduct that in, in a development environment. Also, development of custom KMs. Well, the, the, the console that you use for that would be the, the classic console. Okay, so... A little bit about BBPM application servers at a very high level. You can implement a single BBPM application server, um, and and whether or not you implement a single BBPM application server or multiple is really a a matter of scalability and growth. So will a single server scale to the size of your environment and your needs? if you install a single BVPM application server, if that's your approach and one server is enough, you would install it as a standalone BVPM server and that would include the CMA module as well. Multiple BVPM servers can also be inso- installed. The primary driver for this should be scalability considerations, meaning a single server cannot scale to your needs. Now there are some scenarios we've run into where um, the customer needed to install a single BBPM server in the United States and another one in in EMEA, okay, for specific reasons, and, and those were access reasons and things like that. It wasn't for scalability purposes. We strongly encourage you to try to get, um, you know, to focus on on a minimum number of BBPM servers to install, because once you start installing multiple servers, you've got more to manage and there's more to think about, from an architecture and best practice and and maintenance perspective and so forth. So really, scalability considerations and sheer environment size should be the main drivers that cause you to decide to install multiple BPPM servers. I'd Very strongly, um, you know, uh, try to avoid scenarios where you're standing up multiple BPPM servers when you don't need to from scalability from a scalability perspective, you're doing it from a geographic or zone perspective. Try to, try to get around those kinds of issues and, and get your uh, firewalls and so forth configured to allow for connectivity across the environment. Um, and so what does a single BPPM server architecture look like? Well, it looks very much like the one that you've already seen in the previous slide. We've got one BPPM server up top that's handling event management, service impact management, um, as well as probable cause analysis, baselining, and all that a BVPM server is capable of doing. And so all of the data coming into the BVPM server is coming, you know, coming in from different integration service nodes, and those nodes are fed by the, um, the agents and, and other sources that are doing data collection. Okay? And in reference to this concept of, of looking at firewalls and those kinds of things and geographically dispersed environments, Um, And considering a single BVPM server, be aware that we actually compress data um, from the integration service node up to the BVPM server. We also do buffering, so if there's some kind of hiccup between the agent and integration service node, we buffer that data at the agent and can send it on up through the the, um, environment when that network hiccup has been resolved. Um, be aware that that, that, doesn't, that it's not intended to support hours worth of data that's streamed up, um, buffered and then streamed up, that is. The intention there is a few minutes of interruption between the agent and the integration service nodes. We've tested up to 30 minutes with about 1,000 agents and been able to recover the data and so forth without loss. Uh, so just be aware that we're not, you know, storing hours or or days of data out here on um, the agents and then sending that all up. We would not recommend a strategy like that. The out-of-the-box configuration is for 30 minutes. Uh, that could be actually tweaked, but we recommend that you don't tweak that. Um, so, you know, stick with the out-of-the-box configuration for that. Okay, so multiple BBPM servers. What does an environment look like uh, for multiple BBPM servers? First of all, um, At the top here, we've got a top-tier BBPM server. This one is labeled as a, quote, central BBPM server, which is actually an install option when you install the BBPM server. But it's not intended as the only, um, you know, configuration of a top-tier BBPM server. I just have it actually drawn that way in this diagram. This could be also what we call a MOM or an enterprise-level BBPM server, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Um, the lower tier BBPM servers connect in through uh, or, or have connectivity to the central BBPM server or the top tier BBPM server, such that the CMA module is able to communicate through each one of the child servers. Okay, and then if you're actually installing the quote central configuration here, you're able to view service models across the entire environment that viewing capability is through a web services process that's installed with the BPPM servers by default and represented by these green lines here okay also notice that data and events represented by the orange and blue lines here um, data and events propagate up to the child servers if you're using a central BBPM server install option okay they propagate only up to the child BBPM servers and not into the central BBPM server okay now this is not the the use of a central BBPM server is not quote unquote our only best practice recommendation this makes sense for some customers but again you have some options here and so those options that I've mentioned for the top tier BBPM server include the central that we've talked about. You would primarily use it for distributed service modeling. No service models are actually created in that top tier central server. Um, the central server is just used to view the, the actual child servers and that are hosting the models and so forth. Also, no events are, are, are forwarded up to the central BBPM server in this scenario. So if you install the, quote, central BBPM server, and, again, that is an install option when you're running the installer, this is primarily how you would use that server, okay? Um, Now, you could also install a top-tier BBPM server just like you would a standalone server. And in this scenario, we're referring to it as a, quote, mom or a manager of managers. This isn't an install option. Okay. It's, a, it's a way in which you use the top-tier BBPM server, and again it would be installed as just like you would a standalone BBPM server. It's configured to receive events from one or more child servers. Okay. Um, so in a sense, it's basically your enterprise event manager. So those those customers who who whose purpose for this top tier is enter, enterprise event management. Um, and they're not concerned with um, holistic service modeling and so forth, then they would install the top-tier BBPM server as a standalone server and just basically use it as a mom. Um, also, PCA would be installed, um, could, also be, could also be leveraged here um, and, and supported on the child servers. Okay? So the child servers under, under this scenario would have service models implemented into them, Okay, and that's where you would do your probable cause analysis is on those child servers. The other scenario that is a recommendation, and we see some customers doing this already, is to install and use the top tier BBPM server as a, quote, enterprise server. This is another usage scenario and not an install option. Again, you would install it just as you would a standalone BBPM server, Um, And in it, you would create centralized service models. So this server would contain all of your service models. It would also consume all of the events, so it would act as your enterprise event manager as well. If you choose this scenario, be aware that PCA is not fully supported in the child servers. And that's because the child servers don't have the service models in them. Now, this isn't a roadmap conversation, but we do have plans to improve upon this in a future release. You know, we're fully aware of the the implications of this. Um, So, you know, be aware of that. And also, this comment about PCA not being fully supported does not mean that baselines don't work and that predictive alarming can't be leveraged. Baselines and predictive alarming and those kinds of things are fully you know supported and fully functional in this scenario the the PCA not being fully supported in child servers is because the current PCA process and PCA is the probable cause analysis process that process is currently um, dependent in in the current release on you creating some form of service models. and a, another thing to to uh, indicate and, and understand here is that you technically could create CIs that more or less represent groupings of the appropriate servers and so forth um, in the child servers, um, and, and then actually get some PCA, get, get more fully functional PCA capability out of this. So this, this bullet comment here is more or less um, – You know, indicated against a default type of install where you don't go to the effort to create these groupings, these CIs as groupings in the lower lower tier BPPM child servers. So you could configure it, configure the environment and the solution to get around this limitation. Um, we recommend that you install CMA in the top tier BBPM servers. Don't install CMA in the child servers. That just doesn't make sense in a multi-server environment. Also, for all the BVPM servers, whether it be multi or, or um, single install scenario, if you're going to install the BVPM server on a VMware guest or a virtual host guest, you should enable unlimited memory for that guest and allocate that to the BBPM server um, host. CPU and memory resources must be dedicated, so do not share those resources across other VMs on the ESX server. Um, And if you fail to follow these recommendations, it it will result in performance issues. It's not a matter of it might result in performance issues. We found that it generally will result in performance issues, so please heed that recommendation. Child servers, what about them? You deploy multiple to support scale. So, again, let scalability be your driving factor regarding how many child servers you implement, okay? Now, there are scenarios where it makes sense to put child servers in certain domains, security zones, business needs, you know, different geographic requirements and so forth. But those decisions and those points should be secondary to the scalability discussion, okay? Okay. When you set up child servers, always propagate the surviving events to the top-tier BPPM server. Now, that wouldn't apply to a central implementation of the top-tier, but certainly for the mom and the enterprise usage implementation, it it does apply. Um, Deploy a separate BPPM server to manage shared infrastructure and service models. So if you have a very large environment and you've got um, shared CIs, uh, across multiple service models and those multiple service models have to be deployed across multiple BPPM servers. It makes sense in certain scenarios to set up a BBPM server that handles the shared infrastructure and um, the abnormalities and so forth and, and, and predictive alarming for that and then forward those predictive alarms and other availability type alarms up to the other or over to the other BBPM servers. Okay enable integration with ITSM and the BMC Atrium Orchestrator and other, you know, components like that in this tier. So typically you you would install, uh, when you install child servers and you have service models and event management occurring in those child servers and not in the top tier BPM server, it would be the child servers where you integrate ITSM and other components such as Atrium and so forth, the Atrium Orchestrator, that is. Um, Okay, so if if you're using a MOM or an Enterprise usage implementation, that's where you would integrate ITSM and the BBPM Atrium Orchestrator and so forth. Deploy service models in this tier if you're not deploying them in the Enterprise usage implementation. Also, the hosting requirements regarding VMware apply to all BBPM servers, not just the top-tier BBPM server. Some do's and don'ts on child and standalone BBPM servers. Manage thresholds for performance and KPI metrics there. Visualize performance data instead of using other consoles, such as the patrol consoles or TMR and so forth. So leverage that new capability with 9.5 to actually see trended data from patrol agents through the BPPM servers um, without having to actually store the data up in the BPPM server. Now, obviously, that doesn't apply to KPI metrics and and all metrics that you would want to baseline and so forth. Manage users with LDAP and Microsoft Active Directory. Use only the KPI mode of operation. This isn't new. This applied to the old versions as well. So don't turn on, um, you know, non-KPI. Don't run in the the non-KPI mode. Instead, if you have certain metrics that you want to promote as KPIs, well, then promote only those metrics and not other metrics that don't need to be configured as KPIs. The implication there is baselining. If a parameter is not configured as a KPI, then we're not going to baseline that parameter and, therefore, won't be doing predictive alarming on it. Um, Install the BBPM servers in a high-speed SAN. This also applies to really all BBPM servers, not just the child ones. Um, The only only exception may be the, the central type of install, but even that one would make sense to install in a SAN as well. This is especially important for Sybase implementations and definitely follow whatever the SAN vendor's best practices are there. Um, configure the integration service on the BPPM servers as a staging integration service. So when you install the BBPM server, it's going to land an integration service process, okay, which in the past we obviously we landed the agent controller and an, in an and an, um, a local ProActiveNet agent on the VM server with 9.5, 9.0, excuse me, in previous versions to that. Um, this is now the integration service process, okay? And we, we very strongly recommend that you do not use that integration service process for streaming data or collecting events and whatnot. It should be only used as a staging IS. So make this a, your standard implementation. After you've de- installed the BVM server, just go in and configure its integration service as a staging IS. And we'll talk more about staging ISs here in a bit. Do not use this tier for raw event collection directly from event sources. Oper- do not operate it in non-KPI mode. Do not collect or store unnecessary performance data or events in any of the BPM servers. It doesn't make sense to consume a lot of data for Trending things like uh, Windows services up/down is our, probably our favorite example there because it has has a significant impact on the volume of data that you're processing, and it's really all unnecessary data. What we really care about is whether or not the services are, are up or down, and if you wish, you can actually see the trend of them being up and down through the con, through the BBPM server console, leveraging this new capability. to to, to visualize patrol data without having to stream that data up top. Um, And also don't install additional event management cells on the BBPM servers, okay. So really just just don't install any additional components on that server, especially don't install any third-party components on on the BBPM server. The top tier mom and enterprise BBPM server usage, Scenario, what are the do's and don'ts there? Use this tier for a, uh, enterprise event consolidation and event management. Uh, use it for service modeling in the case of the enterprise um, example. Um, use it to integrate with Remedy Service Desk. Use it to integrate with Atrium Orchestrator. Uh, use it to cross-launch from events into the child BBPM servers for probable calls analysis and those kinds of activities. Configure central management and administration in this tier as well, and avoid implementing mixed versions of BBPM servers. This really applies to all scenarios. Uh, we wouldn't want you to stand up in an environment that has, um, you know, a, a 9.0 environment, and a server, and a 9. 5 server and an 8.6 server, avoid a hodgepodge mix of different BPPM servers versions. Now, we realize there may be some interim period where part of the environment is 9.5 and part of it is 9.0, and we'll talk about those kinds of things in the Upgrade and Migration uh, best practices. Do not use this tier for raw event collection directly from event sources. So this really applies to all BPPM servers. Use... Um, This tier for performance data collection or visualization of data in graphs, okay? Um, You wouldn't use that there because you're not propagating all the trended data up there, okay? Um, And don't create devices in this this tier either. Uh, The central BPPM server, some do's and don'ts there. Use it primarily for service modeling, centralized viewing, and the heat map that that provides and so forth. Um, Cross-launch for from events into the child servers for probable cause analysis. Uh, Configure central management and administration in that tier as well. Avoid implementing mixed versions again. Do not use this tier for raw event data collection. Use the tier, don't use it for performance data collection. Don't create devices there. Don't publish service models into the central BPM server install option. Don't integrate it with Remedy Service Desk. Do not integrate it with um, Atrium Atrium Orchestrator or um, other solutions. The only exception there would be like with Blade Logic, if you're setting up the integration between CMA and Blade Logic. Okay. pm database platform considerations. We need to think about, you know, what, what do we do with the databases here? Well, there's two options: there's Sybase and there's Oracle. When would you use Sybase? Well, if Oracle licenses are not available, then obviously Sybase would be your option. Um, if no Oracle DBA is available. Um, then we would recommend you use Sybase. It's not that the database has to be managed extensively. Um, the issue there is that you basically own the Oracle license and the configuration and so forth, and if no DBA is available, then it's best that you just leverage the Sybase op- option there and not have to, to try to manage the Oracle database um, without an Oracle DBA. Um, if robust database availability is not required, Um, And it's also a good idea to consider limiting the Sybase implementation to small and medium environments. With Oracle um, in a a large environment, we would recommend that you leverage Oracle if Oracle licenses are available and there's DBA expertise available. Also, obviously, if if, um, Oracle is the standard database in the environment, then leverage Oracle. Um, Also, another reason for using Oracle is robust database, database availability. So if you, um, you, know, you, you wanna leverage um, Oracle Rack and so forth for database availability, and you're concerned about making certain that the database is always readily available, which can actually in some scenarios improve the failover time, um, then because you don't have to have, because the database is already actually running in, in an Oracle Rack scenario, the secondary instance is readily available. It doesn't have to start up along with the rest of the processes. Um, it, it makes sense to leverage Oracle for that. Okay. Another question that comes up regarding Oracle and Sybase um, is, versus Sybase is that Oracle has to be installed on a separate server from the application server. So some, some customers and folks ask, well, does that actually increase the scalability of the solution? The answer to that is no, it does not increase the scalability of the solution. There is some nominal, very nominal improvement in performance in some cases, but you're not increasing scalability. The primary factors regarding scalability are associated with the um, are associated with the the application server itself and not necessarily the database and, and so therefore being able to separate the database on a different node doesn't really gain uh, an increase in scalability. So with Sybase, it's an embedded database installed on the same operating system with the BBPM server. You can't actually separate it off onto another node. Don't forget to tune database memory and so forth. There is tuning recommendations in the product documentation, not only for the database, but also for the JVMs and whatnot. So it's important that you you consider those things. The Oracle database must be installed on a separate server. It's installed... um, excuse me, install the Oracle Database and BPPM servers in, within the same network segment, okay? Use a dedicated Oracle schema. This is actually a change and we've got some, some slides coming up on this to show more detail. Um, create unique users for each BPPM schema in the database. So each BPPM server should have its own schema, must ultimately have its own schema in the database which means that each one has to have its own user. Do not create non-BPPM schemas in the Oracle instance that's designated for BPPM servers. Um, So don't, you know, create a schema for BPPM reporting or any other product, whether it be a BMC product or a third-party product. Set all sizing parameters before installing BPPM. The recommendation here is to use a – there's a script that sets the Oracle system parameters for the database. Um, We we strongly recommend that you leverage that script and run it before you actually run the BBPM server install. The installer will create all of the objects for you in the database. So it's a pretty easy, straightforward install. We've seen scenarios – and and we actually support this as well. We provide all the scripts so that a, a DBA can just run the scripts. To create the database instead of leveraging the installer to create the database objects and so forth in the schema. Um, We recommend that that you use the installer, okay? Um, If you're going to use the scripts, make sure that you read the documentation and that you follow the process there very specifically and don't try to deviate from that process, otherwise you'll run into trouble. Um, Plan for Oracle Rack and Data Guard. DataGuard being the solution for supporting DR with the database and whatnot, and also use archive logging and whatnot. There's a lot more about Oracle details in the product documentation, and we strongly recommend that you follow all of those settings and so forth that we outline in the product documentation. Now, the major change with Oracle is that we no longer require a, a, a dedicated Oracle instance for each BPPM server. Instead, you can stand up a single instance and each BPPM server in the environment, whether it be development test, production, um, and so forth servers, they can all have their own unique schema within that one single instance, okay? Um, Obviously, this applies to a single BPPM server. It also applies to, you know, multiple BPPM servers. Um, Considerations to think about here, is number one each again each um, BBPM server must have its own unique schema within the single instance. You also though have to consider locations. Okay, we've made the recommendation that the Oracle database be on the same LAN segment as the BBPM server or servers. Okay, we would recommend generally that you don't separate the BBPM server from the BBPM, applic- uh, BBPM database server that is, you shouldn't separate it from the application server across a WAN because typically there's not enough I.O. supported across the WAN to support that. Um, review the input, uh, output operations and, and so forth in our documentation to get an idea of the, the amount of traffic that we're talking about there across the network between those two major components. The database really should be on the same LAN. so um, you you want to do that to ultimately avoid network latency issues and whatnot between the database and the application server. So you do have to think about this, and there will be um, certain scenarios where it really makes sense to ha- stand up an, a separate Oracle instance to support different uh, BBPM servers across a very large, widely geographically dispersed environment. Okay? And this, of course, is supported in all scenarios. You don't have to install a single instance with multiple schemas, you can install multiple instances as we've supported in the past. Um, Also note, and this isn't a discussion about BPPM reporting, but I thought I would throw this in here. um, We now support a single schema for multiple BPPM servers in an environment, a single reporting schema. That is not supported with the application server schemas. It's only supported with the reporting schema. Okay, so considerations for databases, use Oracle, RDBMS, these specific versions. Those are the quote-unquote supported versions. I've actually got an older version installed in my lab, and it works, but it's not the quote-unquote officially tested version. Uh, So we recommend that you stick with these two supported versions. Create at least two BDPM um, ProActiveNet server users, in the BVPM server database. The scripts handle that for you. The install process handles that for you as well. Um, We also recommend that you you create a third back-end user to manage issues like locked accounts and and other things as well. So it's a good idea just to create a third back-end user to support those capabilities. Physically co-load the BBPM application server and the database on the same subnet. I've hammered on that pretty hard already. The backup and restore process should be executed by the proactive Net users. Use, the BMC da- use BMC database recovery management or an Oracle tool or, or something that's supported by Oracle for database recovery. So in addition to HA, obviously, you really should be backing up the database on a regular basis. Um, so le- leverage Oracle tools and whatnot for that. Enable archive logging, and that's called out in our our, um, um, documentation as well. It's just a a major key factor there. The recommended minimum initial database sizing for table spaces in small deployments is 15 gig, 30 gig, in larger environments. Expect this to grow significantly, especially with 9.5 considering various facts like we're streaming data from patrol agents now. We're not pulling and collecting it every five minutes at the integration service layer. We're streaming it through the integration service layer, which depending on what parameters you're sending up and, and instances and all that kind of stuff and your, your patrol configuration is where you do the filtering there. Depending on what filtering you've configured will drive how much data goes upstream, and we expect to see a significant increase in the amount of data that's going upstream. Um, Use Oracle Rack for high availability, use Oracle Data Guard for disaster recovery, use Oracle Storage Area Network, and so forth in the sand for um, the database implementation. Really, this is just a, um, best practices around Oracle itself and not necessarily our product. Okay, so now let's talk about integration service nodes. We've got you know, somewhere around 30 minutes left here, so I need to speed through some of this stuff. Um, the integration service node, the older versions look like this. So a 9.0 environment, what happens is we have an event management cell process and the integration service process running on the integration service host. Okay, And we, we sent data up, and we also sent events up, and then the data was collected every five minutes by default from the through the BBV, up to the BBPM server. Events took a totally different path. Now, with 9.5 in very, very small environments, for example, with a proof of concept type of environment, okay, you could send data and events directly from the patrol agents to a single port on the integration service process, and then the integration service process sends its data to um, the BBPM server um, directly and its events as well across one pipe. Okay, these arrows represent the the direction in which connections are made, not the actual flow of data, right? Now, this could be set up in a very small environment and work just fine, but we're talking about a very small environment. Our best practice is this shown over here on on the right-hand side with 9.5. This is our recommendation. Send the data and events directly to the integration service process. The integration service process will hand events only over to the event management cell that's installed on the integration service host. It will do pre-processing of those events, filtering, rewording, you know, basic processing, and so forth, deduplication is another great example there. And then the surviving events will be forwarded up to the BBPM server, okay? The, The data, performance data that is, will be trended that's trended and so forth, is is then streamed up to the BBPM server from the integration service process. So this is the basic implementation and and what we recommend as your standard install. Okay. Um, So some do's and don'ts with integration services. Uh, and, and dealing with performance data. Install the integration service host close to the managed um, nodes, in other words, close to where the agents are deployed, deployed by geography, department, business, or applications. Um, configure patrol agents to send performance data um, up to the integration service process. Okay. So performance and data, event data goes there. Configure the IS processes to forward events to the local event management cell HA pair. We'll talk about that more in the HA slides coming up. Minimize the number of integration service nodes. Don't install more than necessary. Allocate a separate integration service node for each uh, remote network zone or domain. Okay, that's what may, it makes sense to disperse them that way. Ensure that the admin console host, in other words, the, the machine where you, where you actually do all of your administration work, ensure that it has access to the integration services for administration purposes. So if for some reason you need to get to that host to look at a log file or something like that, make sure that you have that network access available there. Deploy the integration service um, strategically so that agent connections to the integration service does not span network boundaries or firewalls. Try to minimize that as much as possible. And deploy integration service nodes to minimize the number of connections across networks and firewalls in general, okay, including their connections to the uh, BBPM servers. Don't mix multiple large data sources on the same integration service, okay. So there's actually a slide coming up on this where I'll talk more about this, but um, in the past we've recommended, recommended that you designate integration service nodes for specific types of data collection. Uh, For example, if you're collecting data from a vCenter environment, you would designate a single integration service node for that to handle that volume of data. We we, we recommend that you continue that strategy going forward where you have different domain types of data collection designated for different integration service nodes. Okay, What, what about from an event management perspective? Distribute the event collection cells as required based on event loads and event sources deploy the cells close to or on the same hosts with third-party event sources. So if you've got a lot of SNMP traps that you're going to process or you are processing a lots, of, lots of events coming in from SCOM, as an example, okay, we would recommend that you install the cell that processes those, that large number of domain-type source events, meaning a, a single type of dom- domain, um, SNMP would be an example, SCOM would be an example, there's many others. Uh, we'd recommend that you install that cell close to the source that's providing those events or potentially even on the same host where those events are actually generated. Um, and configure event integration and monitoring for availability first as well with, um, with the um, integration, uh, with the event management cells and so forth. We'll talk more about that here on the high availability slides coming up. Configure event processing, such as a re- enrichment and filtering, at the event sources as much as possible. Now we realize that's not always possible for an event source to, you know, format the event we want it so obviously the way we want it. So obviously, filtering, enrichment, and so forth is is one of the key purposes of an event management cell. We recommend that you do all of that processing as much as possible at the lowest tiers of event processing cells as much as possible. You should not be doing basic filtering, enrichment, normalization and so forth, deduplication and whatnot in a BPPM server. Push that processing down into the lower tier event management cells. Propagate the surviving events up to the BPPM servers. Um, Install dedicated event processing cells to manage large volumes of events. I've already kind of hit on that topic. And um, some things not to do, don't store trended data in the BPM server for up-down availability metrics. I realize that this is not related to the event processing cells, but it certainly has an impact on event processing cells. So we we want to generate events in patrol as an example for Windows service up, down, log file, um, you know, scraping log files and, and capturing entries in log files that we want to alarm on, all of those kinds of events, any kind of an event that is a good or, you know, bad type of situation, go, no-go, up, down, Boolean-type um, monitoring is what we're talking about here. Um, all those types of parameters should be generating events in patrol and forwarding them to the integration service node so that it forwards those events over to the cell and on up to the BVM server. Those should not be processed in the bvpm server as trended data. Okay, uh, collect Don't collect unnecessary events. Try to limit event generation at the sources as much as possible. You certainly have that feasibility and capability with the patrol agents. You have very granular control now, complete control in fact, at the patrol agents regarding what, um, what parameters are gonna send events upstream and what parameters are going to also and or send the performance metrics upstream. So, so do, do as much filtering as possible at the source whether it be patrol or some other source. Um, use, don't use the event cells as high volume SNMP trap forwarding mechanisms. They're not intended for that. They're intended as event managers and not to process you know, extremely large numbers of messages like you might see in a network type of environment where you're processing all of your SNMP traps for a, um, a particular network in, in one one um, component. Don't configure IBRSD notifications or global event forwarding integrations on the lower tier event management processing cells. Configure those kinds of things up in the BBPM server tiers, Okay. So now let's talk about central management and administration. You basically have two options, and and these are not install selections. They are um, implementation options that you choose regarding how you're going to implement CMA. You can implement CMA in a single BPPM server. This example represents a central deployment um, scenario, but this could also be the MOM or the Enterprise type scenario, okay? And, and basically what happens is patrol agents will connect in through the integration service nodes um, and register um, I- retrieving their, their final integration service hosts. And again, we'll talk about that here in a moment. And, and then CMA is able to populate policy configurations for all of your agents across multiple BBPM servers from this one single instance. Okay. Now, the document that, we've, that I've talked about Outlines this process in detail and even shows you how you would actually configure it. But basically the idea here is that any agent coming in would consume its um, its, its uh, staging policy, which is basically telling the agent what its final home is from an integration service perspective. Okay, And then it connects in through the integration service. Finally down here, say it's in, in a development environment or it could be a production environment, the first production um, integration service. Let's take that one as the example here. It connects in, connects up to the BPPM server and receives its policies. The policy application to agents is based on an agent selection criteria. That agent selection criteria can include BPPM servers. So the idea here is you can create a policy that ends up getting applied only to deploy, only to development. Uh, only into the development environment. So ultimately only down to the the, um, agents in the development environment where you're doing your your initial configuration and and understanding how the environment is going to actually work. And then you can actually add, you can take that same policy you already created up here and you could add the BBPM test server to that policy. And when you do that, all the agents that are connecting in through the test environment will get that policy. And then after you've done all of your testing and if you're happy with the test, you can come back to that same policy and add whichever production BPPM servers are appropriate for that policy to the policy. And then the agents that are in production will just automatically get that policy applied to them. So it's a very easy process to, you know, to set up here and support a development test and ultimately production environments, so that you don't have to recreate policies after you've tested them in development. You just simply apply them to the appropriate uh, subsequent BPPM server environments, and they get applied to the appropriate agents that are connecting in, in, in into those environments. Okay? Now, there's some caveats to think about with that. And that's not the only mechanism that we support. So there's basically two recommended approaches, and you choose the one that makes sense. Um, this, this one that we've talked about is ultimately you're, you've installed a single CMA instance like I've talked about. The pros are what I've already described. You can create a policy, and then to get that a policy applied to, from, from development to test and ultimately production, you just add the BVPM servers to the policy Um, associated with the agent selection criteria very very easy to do okay that's very nice but the danger there is that it's so easy you can easily make mistakes okay Um, due to this powerful capability you know if you you accidentally add the BBPM server to a policy and that policy is already enabled it's going to get applied to all servers that come into that BBPM server okay so you've got to be very careful with that process, okay? It also may not be supported in some sites where um, network connectivity simply doesn't allow the development CMA implementation to actually connect into the production environment or the test CMA implementation to connect, to connect into the production environment. So under those scenarios, that's where we would want to separate these out and actually have multiple instances of CMA. So how do we support multiple instances of a CMA? So in a development environment, you have a top-tier BDPM server. Um, that server has the CMA uh, module installed as does the test environment and the production environment so each one of them have their own unique instance of CMA and the question becomes how do we move policies that we've created in development and tested in test how do we move them between environments and ultimately get them over into production well there's this export import capability for policies it's a utility that we're providing that allows you to export policies. You can export a single policy. You can also export multiple policies. And then import them into the um, the, the other um, CMA instances across the environment as necessary and, and at the appropriate times. When a, a, when a policy is exported, it will automatically be flagged as disabled so that when you import it into the next environment, it's currently disabled and you have to consciously go in and enable it. We deliberately set it up that way so that there is some control around this and, and you can enable at the appropriate times based on the logistics of when you want to have those policies applied to the agents in the environment uh, for both test and production. Okay, And there will, we will be providing more details around how this works and so forth and recommendations uh, coming up in a uh, configuration best practices session. Okay, so those are your two options. The pros um, of this, this uh, scenario with the multiple CMA instances is it supported environments where network connectivity is limited. Um, it provides a platform and, and supports policy management methods that also help prevent administrators from making mistakes. Because you have to go through these additional manual steps, um, you're less likely to make a mistake. Um, the cons are that you do have to, cr- the creation, test, and deployment involves this import-export um, process and so forth. I won't read through all the rest of these in interest and time here, but basically it's it's the reverse of of um, the the um, con- pros and cons of a single implementation. So staging integration services a really quick run through on this. Um, Some folks have been kind of confused about this. and It may look kind of complicated, but it's really not. It's really very simple and straightforward. The staging integration services are used to introduce patrol agents into the environment. So rather than having multiple silent install packages that have to be configured for specific integration service nodes across the environment, okay, we can have more or less a single silent install package for patrol, Um, that contains um, just one integration service node, and that's the staging integration service node, okay? So the patrol agent basically connects in to the staging integration service node when you first deploy it, it, okay? That's its first initial connection into the environment, and it is automatically assigned um, for all other IS nodes. In other words, if this agent has, Oracle on it or this agent is, has a tag that represents monitoring for Oracle versus monitoring for SQL Server okay the staging integration service um, will actually apply what we call a staging integration service policy to it so that it gets moved to the right integration service node in the environment Oracle versus Sybase may not be a really good example there a better example is locations which may be synonymous or, or tied to certain IP addresses. Um, you also could, could utilize any form, any, any one of the, the um, different, um, select, uh, different criteria that we support with the agent selection criteria in a policy. The agent selection criteria in a policy is utilized in the staging integration service policies as well as all the other policies, okay. So basically, the agent checks in. A new agent connects to the staging integration service node. A staging policy is assigned to that agent. The staging policy basically tells the agent where its final home is from an integration service um, data and event processing perspective is concerned. Okay. So the agent checks in here first, and then it's automatically assigned to the appropriate integration service nodes in the environment for production use. The next step in the process is basically, the agent receives, um, uh, it, it, the agent is basically moved over to the to the appropriate integration service that it, it is assigned to based on the staging policy. Um, it disconnects from the staging integration service and the agent in, then obviously connects into the data collection integration service node and it receives whatever policy configuration it is supposed to receive from a monitoring perspective. And then from that point forward, it goes on its way about monitoring and receives whatever updates may be applied for for the different monitoring policies over time. So the general idea here is that the staging integration service, its primary purpose is to help ease and streamline the agent deployment process so that you don't have to, keep track of and manage multiple silent install packages where those packages contain a production data collection integration service node configuration. They just contain the staging integration service node configuration, and then the rest of the configuration in the environment, which you may change and configure adjust over time, the rest of the configuration environment dictates how those agents are automatically associated to the various integration services in the environment. Okay, some do's and don'ts on staging integration services. Um, Use staging integration services to control and streamline the deployment of patrol agents. Um, Configure the integration services on BPPM servers as staging integration services. Don't use them for any other purposes like data collection or event collection and so forth. If firewall rules or security prevent the integration service on the BBM server as running as a staging integration service, then obviously you would need to deploy a staging integration service into the managed zones or zones so that they can check in. Limit the number of staging integration services you deploy. There's no need to to deploy a bunch of them. Um, You would want to set up high availability for them and so forth, but there's not a need to deploy a whole bunch for for scalability purposes and so forth. You want to limit them to to as few as possible so that your deployment process is the least confusing and the least amount of configuration management has to be dealt with regarding them. Um, Some things not to do, don't set up unnecessary ones. Do not try to combine staging integration services with integration services used for performance data collection. Now, technically, you could install a staging integration service on the same box with um, a a, um, data collection integration service, but we generally recommend that you don't do that. Um, and, And also be aware that a staging integration service is really not a separate install. What you do is you install the integration service and then you configure it to be a staging integration service. And from that point forward, it just acts as a staging integration service and not data collection and event processing. Okay, obviously you would not want to forward events or performance data to a staging integration service because it, it's not, not going to process that data appropriately. So scalability, I'm going to run through this pretty quickly. We've got about 10 minutes left and if we, we may run, run over a little bit here. Um, scalability is, is, is very important, it's one of the first things that you really need to consider when, you, when you're planning your implementation, okay. Um, so the first, first thing I want you guys to know, this really hasn't changed from a BMC perspective. We do uh, PSR testing, obviously, performance, scalability, and reliability testing. That's what the numbers you're going to see in this, these slides are based on. These tests are generally benchmark-type tests. They're not necessarily tests to failure. Now, in some scenarios, we have, you know, notice degradation and failure and so forth. But these are primarily benchmark-type testing that we do. So it's possible that in some environments you could scale beyond these benchmarks. We recommend that you don't try to exceed the benchmarks, though, at least not significantly. It's simply not possible also for us to test every scenario. Uh, So we we test, you know, basic scenarios, and we'll get into what some of these scenarios are. Um, the solution is extremely flexible. I threw this in here because it just highlights the point that we simply can't test every possible scenario. So if, if a particular customer has a, has a significant issue, and we've done this in the past, we will go in and we'll do some testing and so forth for specific customers, but we, we tend to limit that uh, for obvious reasons um, and whatnot. So major steps that, that you need to think about regarding scalability. At first, you've got to estimate the sizing based on the environment. And then secondly, you're not done after you do your initial estimation. So you estimate prior to deployment so that you can plan the deployment. But as you deploy, you need to be paying attention to how the solution is performing, and you need to be tuning and so forth based on um, how you deploy and, and, and do that tuning in phased manners and so forth. And So, forth. so the, my point on this, this last bullet here is that, Um, Don't think that you can size the environment once and you're just done with it, okay? Usually the estimations we come up with are good enough and and you don't have to make changes going forward. But if something in the environment changes or there's something that you didn't consider initially or that we didn't consider initially, you may have to revisit the tuning and, and the scalability discussion, okay? Also keep in mind that... No single instance of any application, whether it be a BMC application or a third-party application, can scale infinitely. There's going to be some point where we just flat hit the ceiling, okay? And keep in mind that analytics, meaning statistical analytics, statistical calculations and so forth, involves a lot of data processing. Um, With 9.5, we can now manage 1.7 million parameters is what we've tested to, and not only is it 1.7 million parameters, but we're talking about collecting a lot of those, ma- those parameters on a one-minute interval instead of a five-minute interval because we're streaming the data coming up from patrol. Okay? This ultimately translates to a very large number of parameters or, large, or a very large number of data points across all those parameters for one single day. It's a tremendous amount of data that we're processing here. So keep that in mind when you, you know, you think about scalability and so forth. Um, Planning is absolutely critical. If you fail to plan, well, you've basically created a plan to fail. So you need to start off by getting the environment information, um, and you really need to get all the data possible. Okay, now we realize there's challenges in gathering data. Some data may not be easily collected. Simply estimate where necessary. Um, one of the biggest drivers, probably the biggest driver of scalability, is the sheer volume of data that we're processing based on the number of parameters that we're collecting data for, okay? It's not always easy to collect that total number of parameters. It's perfectly okay to estimate. The estimates need to be based on something that's defendable, so defendable measurements. Get concurrence, and it's always better to overestimate a little bit than to underestimate, okay? don't proceed until you understand the volume of data and there's multiple multiple points to consider here until you understand the volume of data that you're going to be managing across the environment okay it's critical that you consider that up front okay and set expectations you know don't do not estimate scalability until you have the data and and some sort of a complete analysis done. And there can be estimates in that, obviously, but do as much as you can before you start estimating. And don't try to jump the gun and go, go um, you know, start ordering hardware without going through this process. Okay. The scalability factors, um, I'll point out the major ones here. Obviously, you know, physical things like data center descriptions and locations is important. Environment and security zones need to be considered. That's not really a scalability topic, but it's definitely going to drive how many instances of integration service nodes you may deploy and, and potentially, in some cases, BBPM servers. Um, the number of managed nodes is a significant driver okay, of sheer raw scalability. The number of managed devices by type is is a driver as well. That's not, That's not as big as as the managed nodes. The level of monitoring required, do you really need to trim data and and try to generate predictive alarms against uh, development nodes that change all the time? That, That really doesn't make sense. So you may just be monitoring up, down for development nodes. So think about the required level of monitoring that you really need in the environment. Number of monitored parameters is a, a big, big driver here. That's probably the single biggest one, not the most, not the only important one, but, but certainly one of the biggest single ones that, that can have an impact on scalability. Number of monitored instances also is a significant factor. By instances, what we mean is instances of things like CPU utilization as an example. So. On an eight-way box, there's eight CPUs, and we also have an instance that represents the total CPU utilization. And for each um, instance, there's multiple parameters. There's, um, you know, the, 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 um, um, the, the CPU utilization itself, um, user, user uh, versus kernel, and it, various parameters there that I'm not going to get into right now. Um, th- that's what we basically mean by instances. So it makes sense to monitor total on most environments. CPU utilization that is total CPU utilization. It may not make sense to monitor each individual CPU, so you could you know disable the monitoring for those guys and reduce the amount of volume of data that you're processing. If you have affinity configured for various processes against CPUs, then it makes sense to monitor the individual CPUs instead of just the total. Um, so think about things like that. polling frequency is required. Um, You may be able to reduce the polling frequencies for some of the patrol application classes to reduce the amount of volume because you simply don't need the the volume of data. That's, you know, more of a a detailed tuning topic and something that you would want to review as part of this. The event load, the number of concurrent users is is another factor here. Um, BBPM server reports. This means reports that you run out of the BBPM application server, not BBPM reporting, Okay. Are you using SLOs or not? Um, Hardware availability, okay? Um, There are customers who have certain requirements regarding their standard hardware that they generally don't deviate from. You know, so think about those things as well. Also, never forget percent growth. So those are the major factors. Recommend that you always, um, you know, put in a factor of percent growth around 10% or something like that. Um, so, collecting environment information, I'm going to run through this really, really quick here. Um, data center descriptions, locations, envir- environment security. zones, this is more of a checklist that you need to think about. And, and what I've noted here is whether or not this data is usually easily obtained or not to give you an indication where you might need to, be, need to do some estimates versus actually collecting, you know, very accurate data. Uh, Clearly the number of managed nodes, that's usually pretty easy to obtain. Number of managed instances, that gets a little bit harder, but typically we're able to to gather that information or at least estimate it pretty accurately. Um, Level of monitoring required, that should be very easy to to obtain because that's really a decision. It's not something you have to go out and collect. It's really a decision that you need to make. Uh, Number of monitored parameters, that one's usually somewhat difficult to obtain, okay. So this is, this is the one where we typically do a lot of estimating. Um, include previous considerations, you know, devices, types, domains, that kind of thing as well. What's the criticality of monitoring something? Do you really need to monitor get hit ratios and trend that from a database perspective? Um, use patrol parameter counts. That's one way to approach it. And, and also another way to approach this is which, moni- which parameters um, do you as a customer already monitor? Start off with that. Um, and, and, and then also you know, consider growth by about 10% or so forth there. Polling frequencies, consider that. Um, event load, size for the current environment. The reason I put this in here is because the usage of a BPM server should reduce the number of events that you're having to manage in the environment. That's one of our key values is to reduce events to truly actionable alarms and so forth. So over time, you should see a reduction in events. Um, However, when you first implement the solution in an environment that's already processing a large number of events, you need to size for that current event load and plan to distribute the processing for that. Numbers of users, concurrent users um, in the environment and who really needs access to the BPM environment, okay? You know, what users really need to log into the BPPM server and exactly what are they doing and using it for? Um, Consider that and limit the number of users to those who really need to use it. Um, The reports in the application server limit their usage, limit the number of users accessing reports and so forth. Hardware, the plan really should dictate the hardware and not the reverse of that. Always use 64-bit and always again plan for some growth, okay? We approach sizing from this this type of a simple matrix, there's the environment size to think about, and then there's also the BBPM server capability and usage. Okay, so how is it being used, and and what's the the sheer environment size? There's detailed information about this in the product documentation, so I'm not going into a bunch of details here, I'm just gonna skim over some high-level topics. In a small environment, um, the, a small managed environment is usually a few hundred servers and it's a very few number of users just two or three users okay? polling frequencies are usually not faster than about five minutes now with 9.5 that obviously be increased to a minute on, on various parameters across the patrol infrastructure okay? a medium environment okay, is um, a thousand managed nodes or more Okay, we consider that to be a medium environment single um, a single data center is pretty typical of a medium environment. Distributed remote locations. It may be a small environment with faster polling frequency requirements, or more than more than just a few users. So, like up to 30 users. Okay. This faster polling frequency, I probably should have taken that out of these slides because it doesn't really apply to 9.5 considering the fact that we're streaming patrol data up to the BPM server. Okay, so uh, in a large environment, characteristic of that is thousands of managed nodes, multiple data centers, widely geographically dispersed environment that's managed, and and more than 30 users. Okay, Um, now what about the usage scenarios? Okay, well there's data management, mainly used for trended data collection and analysis, Fewer, few or no external events, all right? Event management is typically large numbers of external events, very limited or maybe even no performance data collection. We have customers that actually use BBPM in that way. They're not leveraging the trending and, and baselining and predictive analysis and all that kind of stuff. Um, then the, the next scenario is impact management, mostly dedicated to service modeling, very limited or no trending data collection, and all event pre-processing is done in lower tiers. Okay. A hybrid situation is where basically all or some combination of these guys is is um, being implemented and utilized in the BBPM server. Okay. So. Multiple BBPM servers may be um, also used differently in one environment. That's very basic and obvious, That you know, keep that in mind. The point being is that you may have a top-tier BBPM server that's not doing much more than just impact management, okay? The sizing for it, obviously, is going to be different compared to a BBPM server that's doing data management, data and event management with all the trending and predictive alarming and so forth. So now the slide that probably everybody's been waiting on, these are high-level metrics. Um, there's more detail in the product documentation. These are the main drivers for sizing. So with uh, a BBPM 9.5 server, we can scale to 1.7 million trended parameters or attributes as we call them. Um, and, and keep in mind that, that that trending is based on raw stream data coming from patrol agents, Okay. It's not based on the old scenario with 9.0 and a five-minute polling frequency, where we're collecting a data point every five minutes for each one of the trended parameters. We've greatly so that, that's a significant increase. I mean, it's you know we've gone from 1.2 million to 1.7 million, and at the same time we've increased the sampling rate significantly. So that's a huge jump. Um, this next one here. We've increased by 100,000, we've, you know, almost doubled it basically. In the previous um, versions, we were able to scale up to 150,000 instances. We know we can handle 250,000 instances now. Devices, the benchmark there is 20,000 still, 100 concurrent users who are actually doing stuff in the console, looking at graphs and things like that, not just doing, sitting there idly staring at events as the events pop into the console, Okay. 40,000 intelligent events per day, meaning events that we generate within the BBPM server, according to baselines and, and so forth. In addition to that, 350,000 external events processed into the BBPM server. All right. Um, we recommend that you reduce the raw data cl- retention to three days. Out of the box, it's eight days. You should not go beyond eight days. Okay. And we strongly recommend, especially in a large environment, that you would reduce this, large and medium environments, that you reduce this to three days. You're not going to lose any functionality doing that. Um, and if you want, you know, more raw data retention for reporting purposes, well, you can leverage BPPM reporting for that. Okay, so, uh, another thing to note, I want to come back to this this um, you know sheer volume of parameters here, and the fact that we're sampling faster in addition to increasing the sheer number of parameters, I, I strongly urge you to take advantage of that, especially from the perspective of being able to look at trended data in the BBPm console without having to store the data in bppm okay so it, the combination of, of of that and this this uh, increased scalability should greatly increase the overall scalability of a single BPPM server for you. Integration service nodes, what's our scaling there? Um, A single instance of an integration service node can process the same number of parameters that a single BPPM server can process. However, we're recommending that you limit the number of agents connecting to a single integration service node to 900 patrol agents, okay? It can also process the same number of instances that a server can process, okay? These are the major ben- benchmarks. There's additional benchmarks in the documentation. These are the major drivers, okay? There's other benchmarks in, in the documentation that you can read, but th- these, these guys are the, really the major impacting drivers for scalability for the BVPM server and integration service nodes. The sizing for these guys, I'm not going to read all this off, Um, it hasn't changed from a hardware perspective significantly, except I do want to point out that you should expect additional sizing from a storage perspective for the database, so we're recommending in a large, and these are all maximum, these, these these are according to maximum capacity, so these are the large environment implementations. Um, We're recommending that that you size for about 600 gigabytes to start off with. That's because we expect in most environments you're going to be collecting a lot more data points than we collected in the past with the previous versions up in the BBPM server. At least initially you will, and then over time you may do some tuning and so forth um, and whatnot. Okay, so uh, firewalls and protocols also have an impact on performance. So we recommend that you limit HTTPS and the tunneling capabilities to situations where you really need it and not, you know, just, in, don't just use that in general. Uh, make certain that you're implementing that from a uh, absolute, you know, security requirement perspective versus just doing it for, just for the purposes of, of doing it, right? So, so try to limit that as much as possible. Um, Non-HTTPS connections, you know, communicate the importance of efficient administration. Um, request that all central administration nodes have access across the environment where needed. So in other words, it obviously makes your life easier if the management tools can view the network as if the, the network is a kind of a flat open network. And, and in other words, all the management tools are allowed connectivity through the appropriate ports across the environment, you know, through the, through the appropriate firewalls and ports and so forth across the environment. Um, we've, we've reduced the number of ports um, and different processes and so forth required to stand B- a BBPM solution up um, in an environment quite significantly because you now no longer have to leverage patrol consoles in production, and all the other older processes like, um, BII for Patrol 3 and integration service processes and connecting an agent directly to a cell as well as, well as also connecting it separately directly to the um, integration service process. You know, that's all changed and have been significantly simplified. So being able to, to, you know, request a smaller number of Ports to access and, and open and so forth for the management environment um, should be uh, a welcomed capability in most environments and, and help ease this um, I'm not going to read the rest of that off you guys can review you know this um, you know going forward as well um, actually that last bullet I do want to talk about that very briefly here the, the idea here is that in some environments um, the the administration uh, folks don't have, the administration folks for the BBPM for the solution don't have direct access to the integration service nodes, okay? Um, and, and what we recommend, in, in other words, they don't, they don't have complete access across the entire environment for uh, configuration and all those kinds of things. So in, in a scenario like that, and this, this is actually a very rare scenario, but in a scenario like that, what you can do is install the appropriate consoles out in the environment on integration service nodes. This this mainly applies to the older technology that is becoming, it's not obsolete yet, but it's becoming obsolete with what we've done in BPPM 9.5. You you could deploy a patrol configuration manager instance out on integration service node if you have no other way of accessing that environment centrally and, and the integration service node is ultimately the only node that you have access to in that environment. Okay um that's that's one way of managing um connectivity for for administration purposes but again with the the introduction of policies and CMA with BBPM9.5 and how the integration service nodes communicate through the in, or excuse me how the patrol agents communicate through the integration service nodes for everything that they need including configuration okay Uh, because we've provided that capability, you really don't need this in most environments, okay? That's something that I – a point that I forgot to mention earlier is that um, the CMA, the the propagation of policies down to the patrol agents has changed in 9.5. So that propagation actually – the CMA module connects through the BPPM servers, and then the agent controller process on the BPM servers connects through the integration service process and down to the agents to, to ultimately deploy the uh, configuration data to the agents from the policies. So the, the, the path of communication for configuration is now ultimately the same path that is used for data collection and whatnot, simplifying the architecture from a configuration perspective, configuration management perspective. Alright, so configuring for scalability, what should you consider regarding the BBPM server? um, Install the admin console on a separate node. Don't use the admin console that's installed on the BBPM server by default for day-to-day, you know, administration and configuration. Separate that. Locate the operating system and, and database application server install on separate disks with its own disk controller. This would primarily apply to smaller environments where you're not installing into a SAN. Always use 64-bit. For more than five concurrent users, we recommend setting up a medium architecture type of environment and sizing for medium, even if the data is a small environment. Implement multiple BVM servers as needed. Um, Some of these things are relatively obvious here. Again, install the BVM server in a SAN. You must tune the JVMs. So be certain that you go and and you look at the tuning uh, settings for the JVMs and so forth in the product documentation after you've done your install. Do not install the Oracle database on the same node if you're using Oracle, the same node as the application server, that is. Um, Don't install any non-BBPM server components on the BBPM application server, whether that be third-party products or other BMC components like an additional cell or, um, uh, an additional integration service process, or whatever. Okay, um, implement deployment in a phased manner. Limit non-standard KPIs as much as possible. Limit events sent to the BBPM servers to actionable events. And for data that is is required for probable cause analysis and things like that, do not exceed the tested maximum capacities. I know that, you know, some folks are going to push these benchmarks, and that's fine, but don't go exceed them significantly. Um, You'll likely run into issues because we haven't tested beyond them, and we have reasons to believe that you will, you know, potentially run into issues if you exceed them. Configure event adapters on the BBPM server. That's a no-no. You should never be streaming, you know, sending events directly to the BBPM servers. Always process events in a lower tier cell. So what about the integration service host? Distribute the uh, patrol agents across integration service nodes to balance the load. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but you could actually install a load balancer between the, the patrol agents and the integration service nodes. We don't load balance in the product out of the box, okay. You could, you know, manually load balance by setting up your agent selection criteria properly in the appropriate policies. Um, but you could also put a third-party load balancer between the agents and the integration service nodes. We've done that. We've tested it. It's fully supported. Always use 64-bit for the integration service nodes as well. Install event processing cells and adapters in each remote location. We strongly recommend that you follow the standard where you, when you install the integration service process, you also land um, a local cell on that integration service host with that process. Distribute event processing on a remote processing cells. Filter, correlate, deduplicate at the lower tier. I've mentioned that multiple times already. Install all integrations um, except IBRSD on integration service nodes separate from the BBPM server. So do not put um, you know integrations other than IBRSD and setting up integration for things like Blade Logic. Those are a couple of exceptions but you would not, you know, set up other integrations such as IIWS on a BVPM server. Don't exceed maximum capacities. Don't ever attempt to use an event management cell for something like a high-volume SNMP trap forwarding mechanism or some other kind of, you know, high-volume messaging type of uh, scenario. They're intended for events. For data collection, configure monitors and users in a phased approach, limit data collection to key performance indicators and supportive metrics, okay, Uh, limit data collection frequencies where possible, leverage the ability to visualize trends from patrol agents in the BBPM server without having to store the data in the BBPM server, I've hit on that multiple times, Uh, don't exceed, um, or, or excuse me, don't collect all the patrol data, so, don't just turn on patrol data collection for everything. Create your policies appropriately. By default, the, poli- the agents are not going to be, and KMs are not going to be collecting a lot of data until they receive a policy. So that's another change in behavior compared to previous releases. The, the agents will, you know, may have policy, may have, um, excuse me, when you create a silent install package, you'll have an agent and, and KMs associated with it in the package. You go deploy that, but it's not going to actually be doing a lot of monitoring until the agent receives a policy. So leverage that functionality and go through a very deliberate process in, in what policies you set up and create. And don't collect unnecessary or excessive data. Um, Disk and database, this is a little bit older here. Use RAID 10 or 1 in larger um, installs. Uh, we recommend installing in a SAN and so forth, especially uh, with Sybase. And then from a, an Oracle perspective, use the appropriate Oracle um, in, um, uh, implementation from a, a, a disk and, and storage perspective there. Use a larger number of physical disks. Um, If you're not installing into a SAN, you know, use a larger number of of physical disks and spread the I.O. out. Defragment the database files every six months for large environments. Okay. Uh, Limit raw data retention, again, to three days in the BBPM server in medium and large environments. And allow for increased data storage. I can't can't emphasize that enough. Make sure that you have enough data storage because you are likely to have more data with 9.5 versus older versions. Don't don't use Veritas file systems, we still don't recommend that. Don't exceed 90 days for rate data, okay? And never extend uh, raw data retention beyond eight days. That will definitely impact I.O. and performance. And again, we strongly recommend that you set that to three days, especially in a medium and a large environment, okay? Um, High availability, we'll run through this very quickly, and we're running way over time here, but I want to get through this so you guys have this information. Um, BBPM servers. What's the high availability methodology? There, that really hasn't changed from previous versions. The operating system clustering is, is the methodology there. If, it's, if you've installed the BBPM server in a VM, okay, then it makes sense to, um, to, to leverage VM or HA for that instead of operating system clustering. And we realize this is not a, a scenario that supports true application-aware HA, okay. Um obviously, this has to be on a on, it should be on a on a shared file system okay the integration service process is where we made significant changes and improvements with um high availability. We provide a clustering scenario the clustering is not really what you would think of is as, as clustering like os clustering and whatnot um, instead, it is a scenario where we define a cluster up in CMA and that cluster is really nothing more than a configuration setting that tells the agents a number of different integration service nodes that it can connect to, so the integration service nodes are more or less stateless as we described in the in the what 's new presentation previously, and when they connect in through an integration service process, whether they 're sending events up or um, trended data up, it really doesn't matter, or both, it really doesn't matter. Uh, they can connect to one or, or another um, it, from the list. So if they can't connect to the first one, they'll connect to the second one and so forth. Um, you can also leverage a third-party party load balancer there, um, as I've described earlier. And event management cells, they still support the built-in HA capability where one of them is a primary and the second one is a hot standby and they're, they are synchronized. Um, between each other, so we, that's our recommendation around the methodology for HA with all of your event management cells, whether they be the cells on the integration service nodes or the correlation cell that sits below the BBPM server in the infrastructure, okay? For databases, HA is included um, with the BBPM server HA in a side scenario, and for Oracle, we recommend using Oracle RAC or an Oracle-supported HA solution. Okay, so at a very high level, this is what it basically looks like. Not a lot of change here, except we can now leverage third-party load balancers down here for both data and event traffic being sent up to the integration service nodes, right? And, again, the cluster that we're talking about here, it's actually an active-active type cluster. It's not really technically a cluster. Um, What I mean by that is this agent can be sending its data and events to that integration service node and this agent can be sending its data and events to that one and if this one can't talk to that one it can just actively fail over to this one here so both these guys are are active it's an active active scenario They're, they're running and configured such that or designed such that they're more or less stateless and they can consume this data you know in the manner that I've just described such that both of them are always running you have to consider the fact that um, if, if you're configuring these guys and configuring policies and whatnot, and you're not using load balancers, you still need to consider the fact that we recommend not exceeding about 900 agents per integration service node. Okay. So you do have to, to consider that and manually configure for that if you're not using load balancers. Okay. A little bit more detail on this from an integration service perspective. Um, Always install event cells when you install the IS nodes. Use the default event propagation setting for the IS nodes. So you've got a couple of different, there's actually three different options there. In the install, if you install it and just choose the default settings, what will happen is the integration service node will be configured to propagate its events to the cell that's running on the same box with the integration service process. Okay, so that's ultimately the default setting. And... The, the other th- other things to think about here is use the same cell name for both of the cells. So a little bit of description around how this is configured. You, you install, when you install the integration service process and the cell, you, you basically tell the integration service process to propagate its events to the local cell. And you also, through that same install process, you're installing the cell as well. You configure that cell as a, quote, HA cell. And let's say that this is the primary, as described here, okay? You would configure this guy as the primary cell, and you give it a cell name, something like my HA cell or whatever, okay? When you come in and install the second integration service node, you work through the same process, but you designate this cell as the secondary, and you give it the same name. So the name is really an alias for these these two different cells, and they both have the same alias name, and the connectivity from an event forwarding perspective works such that if this integration service node can't talk to that cell, it's going to fail over, represented by the dotted line here, to the secondary cell, okay? And if this one can't talk to its local cell, okay, well actually this one, the secondary is going to connect to the primary, and if it can't connect to the primary, it's also going to fail over to the secondary. And the secondary and the primary keep each other in sync such that the primary is hot and running and processing events. The secondary is being synchronized with those events and those events status and updates and so forth. And if the primary goes down, the secondary takes over the load and will, propagate, will process and propagate events upstream, okay? So that's basically how that works. And then, again, the the integration service processes themselves are simply configured as a cluster up in CMA, and that cluster configuration is nothing more than an agent configuration that gets pushed down to the agents. So the agents attempt to connect into the primary, and if they can't connect to the primary, they'll connect to the secondary. All right, so um, install the primary and secondary host in the same subnet. Pretty strong recommendation there with you know, obvious implications. And configure the IS processes in a, in a cluster in CMA. Now when you install CMA, or excuse me, when you install the integration service process and then go configure it in CMA, you have the opportunity to configure um, the cluster as part of the workflow process when, when um, configuring the integration service nodes in CMA. We recommend that you don't follow that workflow process. We recommend that you first configure the integration service nodes um, into CMA and then go back and configure the clusters. So, you know, you have the opportunity to do either one, but it, it makes more sense and is a more logical workflow to first, you know, introduce and connect all the integration service nodes into CMA and then go back and pick which ones you want to configure in a cluster. High-availability recommendations, do not install a patrol agent and an OSKMs on all infrastructure hosts, um, or, or excuse me, do install a patrol agent and the OSKMs on all infrastructure hosts. This is not really directly high-availability rate. It's, it's, it's self-monitoring. We have a lot of built-in self-monitoring, but the challenge with that, which is not a product issue, is that if the, if the product has a, se- a severe issue, Then it may not be able to alarm you and let you know that there's an issue. So you really need to monitor it externally, and that's what this bullet point's really getting getting to. Um, Install the monitor, the monitor KM on the agent and the um, patrol agent on the BBPM servers. Don't install it on the integration service nodes. It knows how to discover the BBPM server and monitor it, but for BBPM 9.5 integration service nodes, it doesn't know how to do that. Okay. Okay, and, and don't, don't use Veritas file systems for large deployments. Um, never extend raw data retention beyond eight days. We've already talked about that. Um, skip over some of these things here so that we can wrap up quickly since we're way over time. Um, do configure clusters in CMA after you've have configured integration service nodes in CMA. Set up primary and secondary HA event cells in pairs so that they are the same. They have the same cell name, they have the same knowledge base. The knowledge bases and policy and data class content, you have to manually manage that, okay? So the, the high availability and the synchronization process only synchronizes events and the event status as well as timer and timer status. It doesn't include the knowledge base uh, configuration and it also doesn't include data that's in the data classes and, and, and it's leveraged by policies. So match table data and all those kinds of things, you have to manage the synchronization of that between the primary and secondary HA cells. Use operator system or VMware HA for patrol agent HA. Why would you want HA for a patrol agent? Well, that's necessary in scenarios where you're doing remote monitoring or you have a patrol agent that is monitoring um, a virtual environment through vCenter and so forth. The way we support that is with operating system clustering. Use SAN to SAN block level replication for Sybase HA. Use Oracle Rack or database or Oracle DBA uh, excuse me, Oracle database A, excuse me. Use Oracle Rack or, or for Oracle um, Database HA or some Oracle supported HA solution. Okay? Um, do not create clusters as part of the process when configuring integration services in CMA. Uh, Never propagate events to one side of a primary and secondary HA event management cell. Always propagate to the, you know, the single, uh, use that alias naming approach for the the primary and the secondary cells so that they ultimately have the same, uh, quote, unquote, cell name and propagate to to that one alias cell name. And that pretty much wraps it up. This slide has some links to our location for best practices. As Cedric mentioned earlier, you can actually um, sign up for the next sessions there as well. Um, Here's a link for the BMC um, BBPM 9.5 product documentation. Um, And there's obviously, you know, our our information out on communities as well. This recording for today's presentation will be um, published here. And, again, you can subscribe to that page and so forth um, on that page as well. And we very much appreciate you attending The session, apologize for it running way over, Um, and um, I appreciate your business and so forth. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Cedric?
0: All right, thanks, Hudson, and and thank you, everyone, for staying on and uh, paying attention. Uh, Again, we will post everything on the uh, communities page for your uh, enjoyment at a later time or date, as you please. Uh, Not everything will get posted at one time, but we will post the recording and the content. The Q&A will come a little bit later, but we will all get it out there. Uh, We look forward to seeing you guys at the next uh, webinar that we have, and thank you all. Have a good rest of your day or evening or afternoon. Thanks. Bye.
1: And once again, that does conclude today's conference. We'd like to thank the patient.